0: Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a podcast for our common good. My name is Marie Dahlstrom, and I am here today with my co-host, Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston, and we have the pleasure of inter- uh, interviewing Mr. Rudy Bela. Here in the US and globally, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, which is a reminder of how fragile we humans are. Life has changed and continues to rapidly change, at least in the short term. And we do not know what lies ahead for our communities and country. This health and economic crisis demonstrates how tattered our social safety net has become for so many Americans who are now panicked about how to pay bills keep businesses open, and safeguard the lives of our families, parents, and grandparents. We truly are in this crisis together and need to come together as Americans and as a global community to ensure that everyone, including those that are the most vulnerable, receive the assistance they need to keep safe and healthy. This health crisis reminds us all of the importance of a government that works on behalf of all Americans to ensure prosperity and well-being. For a government that ensures that all workers have paid sick days and access to quality health care. It's our pleasure today to talk with Rudy Vela, who's an organizer and membership coordinator for Jolt Action, the largest Latino progressive organization in Texas that works to build the political power and influence of young Latinos. Rudy and Jolt are working to increase the number of Latinos who are engaged in civic participation.
1: Thank you, Rudy, for being here with us today. I'm, I'd like to, we would like to hear a little bit about who you are. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me. And I really enjoyed the conversation that we had at the coffee shop with Marie. Um, I really think that we should engage in civil conversations more often because as a country, we're so divided to the point where we can't come to a consensus on the basic human needs that are right. And I think that we should all listen to each other a little bit more, regardless of political affiliation or religious affiliation. So, I was raised in Laredo. So, it's a predominantly um, Mexican American Hispanic city. And most of my friends were Latinos, Hispanics of different backgrounds. And I ended up moving out of Laredo when I was 18 to North Texas, where I studied political science. And it was a very interesting time to start studying political science because that was when Trump was running first running to be president. And at the time it was pretty crazy. Nobody believed like he could actually make it this far. So the entire curriculum shifted and all the conversations started shifting in my political science classes to talks about Trump, discussions about Trump. And it was all that you heard for four years. Like Trump would appear like in every class, in every conversation. So it was a very interesting time, time to study political behaviors and, studies. But, yeah, now I am working full-time for Joel. I started with Joel back in 2018 as a Voter Mobilization Fellow, and we register voters all across the Dallas area. And two years later, here I am. So it's nice to grow with the company, it's nice to grow with the organization that has the same values as I do um, representing the Latino community. And Now I'm essentially, like Ms. Marie was saying, working with membership and with the student chapters across Texas. So I'm very excited to be doing this. It's literally my degree, and I couldn't be happier despite um, (laughs) everything that is going
1: on in the world right now. Absolutely. Rudy, could you share who has been an important role model for you in your life?
2: Yeah, um, my parents have been my biggest role models in life because they didn't have it easy when they came into this country, and they slowly worked their way up and came for the American dream. So just seeing them succeed and seeing them sacrifice for my siblings and I is an inspiration and it's something that I have to take into consideration as... I graduate college as, and I as as I am entering into the real world myself. So they're big inspiration because I mean they are the example of the American dream and what an immigrant at, should resemble.
1: What are some of the more passionate issues you're interested in and why?
2: So one of the issues that I have became more interested in over the past couple of years is voter suppression and it all started because I took a class on civic discourse and political participation in America back in my junior year of college and we read a book throughout the semester by Berber Schlossman and Brady I forgot the name of the exact book but it talked about the different statistics and the different demographics of how people vote the cultural affiliations religious affiliations It just went to detail about who votes who doesn't vote who's involved why they're involved so it's very interesting to me and i wrote a paper on it um and that kind of ended up being my segue into jolt and into civic engagement so voter suppression comes in many different ways and something I've always been aware of is prison reform and voter suppression in the prisons. Like the fact that there's so much misinformation out there on how voters who are felons can't vote and just the different laws that are muddled and a little foggy so that people won't understand and won't actually vote. Like that's something that I've always been been very aware of so prison reform is is one of my biggest issues up there I believe that even if people make mistakes they should be treated like citizens they should be treated like people because punishment (laughs) does not always benefit them like why not reinstate them into society by providing rehabilitation programs or providing them with the pathway to become Productive members of our society and just inject into the economy and keep building the intellectual capital because, again, they're people.
0: <laughs> Rudy, could you talk about the issue what specifically are ways in which voter suppression takes place? Because I think your average person. We hear the term voter suppression, but um, it, it, it isn't necessarily uh, concrete and uh, real for many people. What are ways in which voter suppression does take place?
1: Could we stop for just a minute, Murray? Yes. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of static in the back, like bouncing or something pounding. Um, I'm wondering where that's coming from. It's, it's interfering with the dialogue.
0: Rudy, are you, um, are
1: you clicking something on your desk?
0: No. Okay. There's some noise. (laughs) There is a clicking sound. So just be aware of that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, uh, so go ahead. We'll cut this out. We'll edit this out. So let's continue. So what, what are ways in which voter suppression does take place?
2: Well, for starters, the fact that there's no legislation to prevent um, the placement of unnecessary barriers in front of the ballot box. I mean, especially for people of color like us. I don't know if y'all heard, but there was many locations that were closed in Texas. And predominantly affected Latino and Black neighborhoods. So it starts off with opening more polling locations. It starts with making Election Day a national holiday, which had, should have been done a long time ago. When people don't have the time to take off from work to go vote, and when people don't have access to the polls by means of transportation or They don't have an ID, they don't have a a paper ID, and they're misinformed about the documents they can take to the polls. I believe that is voter suppression at its finest.
0: And so when you educate community members about this, what is their reaction?
2: They simply don't know that these issues existed and that they were taking place. And Many people are left shocked after we tell them the facts. That, you know, they don't want your vote to count. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So it's sort of hidden behind the scene until information and education is provided to communities. What do you see um, is one of the biggest barriers currently? for people getting out and voting or for voting at all?
2: I think it's also the voter registration uh, cards themselves. I think so, that you should be able to register to vote online. This should, It should be more efficient to where you don't have to go out and look for a voter deputy registrar to get registered to vote. Because last year when I registered people to vote, um, there was literally people messaging me like at 11 p.m. Like, hey, I need to register to vote by tomorrow, by the deadline. Like, can you come to my apartment? Mm-hmm. And these people had no idea that they had to register to vote. You can change their address, which is an issue in primarily college freshmen. College freshmen come in from all over the country. And then they wait till September, October. And then it's too late for them to change their address. So... I just think that we should make it easier and more accessible for everyone to be able to get registered vote, so everybody can get counted.
0: Yes. Can you talk to us about some of the issues that we are going to be facing regarding the census? Are you talking to people about the importance of uh, filling out the census forms?
2: Yeah, so one of the cool things that Jolt is doing and that we were very excited about was the census block walk that we were having. We're having a census block walk in three different cities. Well, we had to cancel it in Houston because of um, the recent outbreak. But we are actively educating voters and educating people about the census and the different myths behind that census. like One of the things that people don't know is that there's gonna be no citizen, citizenship question on the census, and people are scared. People are scared and they think that law enforcement is gonna come get them they fill out the census, and that's not what happens at all. Filling um, out the census, it provides the state with funding and necessary funding um, for, for programs,
0: What did happen with that question about citizenship? Because I know that the Trump administration did try to get that included. Was it included? No. It, it was, was not
2: included. Nope. It was not included.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, could... Uh, Give us a little bit more information for people to really understand the importance of filling out the census. I was reminding my 99 year old mother the other day of the importance of making sure that that is filled out, and she was asking me about that. And so I think it's important for all of us to become educated about the importance of the census, and maybe even more now than ever before. Why is the census so important?
2: Well, census comes once every 10 years. So this is uh, basically once in a lifetime opportunity for some people. Um, It's a constitutional law and it's a right. It's the 24th census of the nations. And again, you don't have to be a citizen of the U.S. So it's important for everybody to get counted, especially Latinos, because by 2022, we're going to become the majority in Texas. And there's a big history of Latinos being undercounted in the census and people of color as well.
0: Yes,
1: absolutely. So is there, Rudy, a little bit more outreach happening in terms of providing um, information, both visually um, through the radio, to be able to subside some of the fears that folks have in filling out the information and to be counted?
2: Yeah, and that's what exactly what JOLT is taking care of right now. Um, JOLT has an entire census organizing team, and we're using the power of our digital organizing in order to get the word about the census out there. So that's one of the things that I love most about JOLT, um, that we're constantly working on educating the community on the issues that matter the most, just like the census right now.
0: So could you please give our listeners contact information if they want more information about JOLT, uh, about the census, uh, wh- who, how can they get in touch with JOLT?
2: So JOLT is on all forms of social media. So feel free to follow us on social media on Instagram at Jolt Texas. Look for us and give us a like on Facebook. And we're also on Twitter at Jolt Texas as well.
0: Okay. Great. Well, uh, tell us what are important priorities for Latino voters. What what are uh, Latinx voters caring about this uh, election year? What's important for them?
2: Healthcare, healthcare, and it's going to come down to it in the ballot November, and especially with everything that is going on with this pandemic, people are going to be more aware that the healthcare system in America is broken and that it doesn't currently work (laughs) for every American individual. Um, My sister, a couple years ago, she went to the ER because she cut her nose and she literally had to pay like $2,500 for a Band-Aid. It's crazy.
1: Mm. So you're talking more about the cost containment that is occurring.
2: Yeah, the cost containment and just the fact that people cannot afford to get sick people can't afford it people can't afford to take time out from work there's some people that don't have insurance there's some people that don't have very good insurance and they still have to pay the majority of the cost out of pocket so like including myself at some point like i was pretty scared in college because in college I was never sure if I was still under my mom's insurance. I was never sure if I still had insurance myself. So it was also like in limbo. So that's why in college I never got sick because I couldn't afford it. And I think that's the the majority of, of what the students feel as well. But to segue back to your question, another one of the most important issues for Latinos is going to be student loans in student debt, because the majority of my friends that are in school right now and haven't graduated are worried about how student loans are gonna affect them. The fact that we can't get a house, we can't get a car, and we're stuck in debt for the next 10 years paying student loans, I think that's ridiculous. If the government can bail out the banks and the government can bail out the car companies, like, why not help out the students?
1: That's a really good point, Rudy. It's yeah, like,
2: the government just injected like $1.5 trillion through a 30-minute delay of the stock market. And that could have been used to pay our student loans.
0: And this, you bring up a very important point, because we can probably expect to see some bailouts corporate bailouts uh, taking place as our economy is crashing, as we're in the, the midst of this pandemic. How do we, Americans, how do we, the people of the United States, ensure that the government uh, doesn't exclude us and exclude the needs of uh, working hardworking Americans who are working to provide for their families, for themselves and their families, and suffering during this time of this pandemic. What do we need to do?
2: Change starts at the grassroots level. And that's the work that people don't wanna do because it's the hard work. So grassroots work essentially means contacting your representatives, going out and organizing some kind of protest, organizing your friends behind a specific issue going out and promoting the vote. It doesn't matter who you, who you think should be the candidate. I think that political parties should not be the reason why you don't go out and vote <laughs> or have a civil discussion with your friends. So go out, organize a vote, register people to vote. Sign up as a volunteer register. it's pretty easy to do. In Texas, you only have to take the class one time and you can get registered. To be a voter deputy registrar in any county in Texas after that.
1: Is there a cost affiliated with that, Rudy, or is it free?
2: There's not, it's free.
1: So that's important for our listeners to know. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can contact
0: your county election office to find out how to access that um, training.
2: Yes, so the election cycle is one year so essentially my certificate only lasts until the end of 2020 and after that I'm going to have to get registered again but I'm registered in two different counties right now when I was in college I was registered in three different counties because I took the class once before and I just had to go send some paperwork and I was done so we need more volunteer deputy registrars we need more election workers and we need more people that are willing to go out and make some sacrifice for the common good of the country.
0: Excellent. Excellent uh, recommendations. Rosemary, let's talk action
1: steps. What do you see, Rudy, as? I think you sort of have already addressed this to some extent a little bit um, in terms of people going and volunteering, grassroots movements. What other else, especially in terms of our elder population, Rudy? What could we do differently to outreach to them?
2: I think that it's going to sound terrible, but I think we often forget that there's an older population and we don't give them enough attention and the attention that uh, they deserve. Um, like right now, people going out and stockpiling at the stores, well, the elderly are the ones who are in, in the most need of some of these items. Um, so we just got to think about them a little bit more, and that's how it starts off. Um, but just have a conversation with them. Often, people forget to have a conversation with the elders who often know more than we do. Even uh, going into your local like nursing home and volunteering for one day and just individually talk to them about the issues that matter to them
0: and certainly um, you offer some very good advice uh, during this time of the coronavirus, which I'm afraid will be with us for a long while. Um, Another action step is to educate ourselves about the coronavirus and talk to our elders, talk to our families, our children about what this is. And Uh, You can get more information about it by going to the CDC website, the Centers for Disease Control, and also your state and local health departments can provide you updated information in your state and city. Uh, Another one is to make the responsible choice not to gather in large groups. We are hearing a lot about social distancing, and there is a lot of unknown about the progression of the disease, and there is some concern that young people, without knowing it, may be carriers of the disease. So we are in this together. We need to... um, Uh, unite and be able to um, uh, keep ourselves, our families, safe.
1: One additional um, recommendation as well is um, a lot of our elders have cable, and they have cable because it's in their own language. I think it's critical to be able to get the information out in in dialogue with the language that is their first learned language, so that they understand more and make more informed choices here. We thank you, Rudy, for
0: spending time with us today. This um, national and global emergency that we were living, we are living through is a vivid wake-up call to us all about the urgent need to become involved in our communities to ensure that policymakers, elected officials, are representing the needs of all Americans and not just a few. So please go to your your polls to vote to ensure that your voice is heard. Dr. Rosemary and I invite everyone to please join us next time for Abuelas en Acción. Gracias.